usually, uh, if you're new to the church, our practice is to just go um, verse by verse through books of the Bible, but occasionally we'll just kind of do a little uh, topical uh, series, and so uh, this is what we're doing for the month of December. Um, I, many of you know this, but I grew up in Ontario. Boo, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the house that we had in Ontario, the one that I grew up in, um, had an unfinished basement. And I don't know why whoever built this house, there was only one light switch for all the lights in the basement, and it was at the, the bottom of the stairs. So whenever you would go into the basement, you just kind of went down blindly into the dark, down the stairs, and then you would grope around on the wall, and now I found the, the light switch. Or worse, uh, when we would be playing down there as kids and play ping pong and play down there, uh, then it was time to come up, and you had to turn the lights off so you're in the pitch black, and then you have to run up the stairs before you're murdered by the person hiding in the basement, right? Uh, and so most kids, and, and this was me growing up, hated the dark. And the, the worst part was because we have siblings, then we would play pranks on each other and you would hide underneath the stairs and as they're coming down, you'd reach around and grab their legs. And So you just grew up hating the dark. But I remember the day it was like, okay, we're going to get a light switch installed at the top of the stairs, and that was like, oh, glory, finally, right? We can uh, not get killed down in the basement. But most kids are like that, right? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> uh, my kids made me sick again, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, another memory I have growing up in Ontario was uh, the movie Signs. Uh, came out in 2002, and if you've seen that movie, it's, you know, in aliens invading Earth, and there's a scene in a cornfield where they're kind of watching, and the alien walks between the rows of corn, and it's dark, and it's at night, and my best friend growing up, uh, Danny, uh, he lived out uh, in the country a little bit, and his mom owned a house that was in the middle of a cornfield, and so I was 16 when this movie came out, and we rented it, uh, and we watched it, <clears throat> and then my friend Danny said, you know what would be fun? Why don't we go run around in the cornfield in the dark? Wouldn't that be fun after watching this terrible movie? And so we did, and we ran around, and it was scary because it was dark, but uh, one of us had a, a flashlight, and as soon as you turn on the flashlight, and you know it's a million candle flashlight or whatever, it's not so scary anymore. Because it lit up the whole cornfield, and you're like, oh, that thing that we thought was the alien, it wasn't that, it was just some corn, and blah, 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 right? And, and it's amazing how when the light is turned on, the, the dark doesn't seem so bad anymore. Or it actually just takes away the darkness altogether. And I'm sure lots of you have stories like that, where you were, you know, trapped in a dark place, and then finally you found the light, or, or, or things like that. But we prefer, most of us, light over darkness. Um, our Advent series uh, is called The World Jesus Brings, and what we're doing for the next few weeks is, is looking at the fact that when Jesus was born, he actually ushered in uh, a, a new world, a new kingdom, a new way of being human, really. Uh, and his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection it radically changed the entire world. And so what we've been doing last week and what we'll do in the weeks to come is 
<clears throat> looking at the world uh, as it was before Jesus came, and then how Jesus changed it. So last week, uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus brought peace uh, in the chaos. And the Bible describes the world, because of sin, as being quite chaotic. And there's uh, personal problems between people, and even nature itself is groaning, and there's all of these problems because, because of sin, and Jesus came to bring peace into that chaos. And this week, you may have guessed, but Jesus brings light into our darkness. Um, if you know the Gospel of John in John 8, Jesus stands up in front of a crowd of people and he proclaims, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. And so what we want <clears throat> to do this morning is ask, well, how so? How is Jesus the light of the world? In what ways is Jesus the light that shines in the darkness? Now, we talked a lot last week, like I said, about just the chaos of sin and evil, and a lot of it was um, external, right? There's a lot of uh, external consequences of sin. We talked about the pain of childbirth. We talked about uh, 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 relationship problems. We talked about that the ground itself was cursed, and work now is harder, and there's thorns and thistles, but a lot of that is all external, isn't it? And so this morning, we, we want to talk about darkness and blindness that exists because of the fall in our own hearts and minds. So internally, uh, because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve choosing to sin, we are sinners by nature and by choice. Um, theologically, there's a few different words for that, but it's called inherited guilt or inherited corruption or uh, total depravity is what theologians call it. But it's the idea that because of Adam and Eve, even genetically, our, our, our bodies were affected by sin, our souls were affected by sin, that we're actually born guilty. That we're, we're not born as just kind of a, a clean canvas, right? You're not born innocent and clean and good, and then, ah, your first sin, you messed up, now you're a sinner. The Bible is actually really clear that we are born guilty already. Um, Psalm 51.5 says this, David writes, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. He means born. I was born in sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, Psalm uh, 58, 3 says a similar thing. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Um, Isaiah 53, 6 says this about human beings. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I mean, on and on and on. Those are all in the Old Testament, but there's Jeremiah 17 says that our hearts are desperately wicked and sick. <clears throat> um, the, probably the clearest passage that describes this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, describing human beings before Jesus. It says, and you were dead 
in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Um, Paul says that we were uh, basically born dead. We're dead spiritually. And we're dead stuck in the trespasses and sins in which we walked. We were following um, Satan. We were just gratifying all the passions of our own flesh, carrying out every desire in our mind. And he calls us by nature. So our very nature is that we're children of wrath. So what that means is every aspect of us, because of the fall, is spiritually dead. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our heart, our conscience, we are born not good, we are born dead, unable to fix this problem. It's like this idea of us uh, as humanity just being in the dark, being in total darkness, unable to find the light, and actually what the Bible would say is, we didn't want the light. We were, we were just dead. And this is why um, when you share the gospel with people, right, if you're a follower of Jesus, the gospel just makes sense, doesn't it? We're like, man, that is so true, and what Jesus did is amazing. <clears throat> but this is why when you share the gospel with people who are spiritually dead, you wonder, well, why don't they, why don't they get it? Why aren't they as, as excited as I am about this? Um, I can remember being a youth pastor, and uh, we would have youth events, and uh, we would often share a gospel message at these youth events, whether it was, you know, a quick 10-minute thing or whatever. Um, but there were many a time when you would share the gospel the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, you can have freedom from sin, you can be forgiven. And it was amazing seeing two opposite reactions to that. Like from the same, the same message, a teen would come up and say, that's amazing, I can't believe Jesus did that for me. How do I trust in him? And then the same message, another teen would go, come up and go, that's baloney. You actually believe that? That's ridiculous. And you would go, wait, I didn't preach two separate messages. I preached one message. And you will go, wow, okay, so clearly God is doing something in someone's heart that they're hearing the gospel and believing, and the other individual is still dead in their sin. It doesn't make sense to them. <clears throat> A theologian by the name of Cornelius Platinga said this about sin. The Bible presents sin by way of major concepts. Principally, lawlessness and faithlessness expressed in an array of images. Sin is the missing of a target, a wandering from a path, a straying from the fold. Sin is a hard heart and a stiff neck. Sin is blindness and deafness. It is both the overstepping of a line and the failure to reach it. Both transgression and shortcoming. Sin is a beast crouching at the door. In sin, people attack or evade 
or neglect their divine calling. These and other images suggest defiance. Even when it's familiar, sin is never normal. Sin is disruption of created harmony and then resistance to divine restoration of that harmony. Above all, sin disrupts and resists the vital human relation to God. So if it sounds hopeless, and I, 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 every week I'm going to be, Merry Christmas. Um, <clears throat> if it sounds hopeless, it's because it is hopeless. That, that That's our state apart from Jesus. Without intervention, we are hopeless. We're living in darkness. Our, our eyes are blinded and we're dead in our sin. But the reason that I start there is because in order for us to understand the good news, um, you have to know the bad news. See, a lot of times churches, um, what we do is we try and downplay the bad news because no one likes to, hey, you're spiritually dead. You're a sinner. You're an enemy of God. Because it's just like, oh man, that's not going to sell. And so lots of times churches will say things like, no, 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 no. You're a good person. God just wants to help you achieve your destiny. You're a good person. You're fine. Jesus just wants to uh, kind of help fix up your life a, a little bit. But listen, if you don't know the bad news, then the good news is not going to be good. So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Let's say tomorrow morning, uh, it, a massive news article came out that they had discovered a cure for cancer, all cancers. And it was a pill that you took, and if you had cancer, you take the pill, completely cured. Like, that's, that's pretty good news, right? But for someone like me, um, I, I don't have cancer right now. So it's good news if I ever one day get cancer, but for me, it doesn't impact me because I'm like, well, I don't have cancer right now. But the person who's on their deathbed struggling with cancer and the news comes out tomorrow, hey, there's a cure. That is good news. Why? Because they're facing the reality of the bad news, aren't they? And so good news is only good when it invades those bad spaces. So it's the same with the gospel. If we believe we're basically good. Uh, there's, we're not dead in sin. We're not enemies of God. We're good people. Um, Jesus just wants to fix us up a little bit. Well, then the gospel won't be good news. But this is why the Christmas season is probably the most exciting season. It's because even though you and I as human beings were dwelling in darkness, darkness that we brought upon ourselves, the light of the world came. God didn't leave us in our darkness. And we see lots of passages, right? Even our Advent reading last week, Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. I mean, that's all of us. We walk in darkness Spiritually, we dwell in the land of deep darkness, but Isaiah says, oh, don't worry. A great light has come. Those of you who are dwelling in darkness, the light has shined. And then in John chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So this is the gospel. Uh, The birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That is the gospel that shines into our hearts, illuminates our hearts and our minds so that you and I can be saved. it's, It's as if... We're, we're so spiritually dead that we can't respond to the gospel unless God himself comes and, you know, turns on the light switch. And then all of a sudden we go, that's true. What Jesus did is true. I believe it. How does a spiritually dead person believe that? Well, God breathes life into them. So Christmas is the celebration of the greatest rescue mission that's ever been undertaken. The light of the world, Jesus, shining and scattering the darkness, overcoming the darkness, not just in the world, not just the external darkness, but the darkness in your own heart and in your own mind. And Jesus made it possible for you to be saved. Um, I've heard it explained this way. Some of us have this view um, of humanity that we were all kind of Uh, drowning in the ocean. We're kind of struggling to keep our head above water, right? And and so some of you, if you've been in the ocean or or whatever and you start to get tired and you're trying to keep your head above water, some people have a view of humanity like that. We were swimming and we're trying to keep our head above water and then Jesus comes, right, on his boat and he throws you the, the life preserver and, oh, okay, now I can hold on to the life preserver and, and I'm saved, Unfortunately, biblically, that's not very accurate. The more accurate picture is that you were dead on the bottom of the ocean. You weren't trying to keep your head above water. You're dead, spiritually. And Jesus comes, and he doesn't throw you a a life preserver and say, hey, here, try and save yourself. Jesus dives into the water, grabs you from the bottom of the ocean, pulls you up, gives you CPR, brings you back to life, and then he says, saved. That's the gospel. God is the one who initiates it. He came, right? He came down into our darkness and our deadness, and he pulled us out. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 puts it this way. In their case, speaking of unbelievers, the God of this world, that would be Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, right? It's like, it's like there's these blinders on, isn't there? Um, and I know people like that. I have people in my family like that who I'm like, no matter what I tell them, it just seems like there's, there's something blinding them. What Paul would say, well, yeah, that's Satan, Satan's blinded them. But, he says in verse 6, for God who said, let light shine in the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's comparing it to creation, right? When there's darkness and God says, let there be light. He says it's, it's the same thing. There's darkness, there's blinders on, and yet God has shone into our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. 
Um, 1 Peter 2.9 puts it this way. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, here it is, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, Even Colossians says that you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Notice these are all things that are done to us, isn't it? Nowhere does it say, oh, you walked out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. No, it's God grabbed you and transferred you. He saved you out of that. So this is the message of Christmas, the light of the world. Jesus came to shine the light of the gospel into our hearts. So by way of application then, um, two, two, two ways that this applies to us. Um, listen, if, if God has saved you, right, if he's initiated and he's opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel and you've believed by faith, well, number one is now walk in the light. Right? If Jesus has pulled you out of darkness into the light, if you've been transferred from the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, well, then live like it. Um, so much of the New Testament, and I've mentioned this last week, so much of the New Testament is, okay, this is who you are now, so live that way. It's not, if you live this way, then you will become that. Right? It's not, hey, work really hard to become this type of person. The New Testament puts it this way, you are that type of person, so live like it. So you've been pulled into the kingdom of light, so walk in the light. Um, Ephesians 5, 8 through 11 puts it really clearly. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Right? So Paul says, you used to live in darkness, but you don't live in darkness anymore. You live in the light. So, so walk like that, right? If you remember the diagram we, we drew, and there's this present evil age, and there's the age to come. And right now, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you kind of live in this in-between time. Well, the New Testament would encourage you, Paul and Peter and John, they would say, live as a citizen of the age to come. You're a, you're a child of light now. So live like it. Don't do the things that you used to do in the, in the darkness anymore. First um, John 1, 5 puts it this way. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again, John is encouraging us, hey, if you've been saved, if the light of the gospel has shone in your hearts, well then walk in the light. And the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse you 
from all sin. Secondly, uh, the second point of application is um, you are now the light of the world. Which is interesting, right? Jesus, um, all throughout Scripture, he says, I'm the light of the world. And the light of the world in Isaiah 9, right, it's coming. And the light shines in the darkness. And Jesus stands up in John 8 and he says, I am the light of the world. But do you know what he says to his followers in Matthew 5? Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Hide it under a bushel. No. Right? But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So, right, Jesus comes and he says, I'm the light of the world. And the light of the gospel is going to shine into your hearts and you are going to believe and you are going to believe and you're going to believe and your eyes are going to be open. And he says, now, right, because Jesus is leaving, he ascends back to his father. He's no longer physically on earth. So he says to his followers, now you guys are the light of the world. You're going to have the spirit of God in you. And now your light, right, as you walk as children of light, your light is going to shine in the world. And what's going to happen? Jesus says, then people are going to see your life and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, I've heard lots of stories of this happening. People who live as children of light, Christians who just by the way that they live, the words that they use, how they treat their husbands and wives, how they raise their kids... Um, how they are at work and their worth e- work ethic, their generosity. I've seen this played out so many times that people who are spiritually dead, who are lost, look at Christians' lives and they say, why do you live so differently? Why do you have the, this kind of peace? Why are you so different than everybody else? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You live as a child of light and you let the light of the gospel shine and people look at that and they give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Uh, So this is what Jesus came to do. Um, Jesus is the light of the world. And though we live in darkness and it's a darkness that we chose Um, God didn't leave us in our darkness, did he? Uh, He could have. He had every right to just say, well, fine then. If that's what they want, that's what they get. But God said, even though we're spiritually dead, right, while we were still enemies of God, Jesus died for us. That's the message of Christmas, that Jesus came to bring the light of the gospel and shine the light into our hearts to wake us up spiritually, to save us. So that now you and I can walk in the light of the gospel and shine the light of the gospel into the world. So, Father, I just thank you uh, for this time of year. Um, Father, I even think um, one of the reasons that we uh, decorate our houses with lights and we love to light up the darkness with lights is because of this. 
Um, it's a reminder of your light that shone in the darkness. Um, thank you, God, that you did not leave us um, in our blindness and in our darkness. Um, Jesus, that you came, that you put on flesh and you dwelt among us, your enemies, and you came to shine the light into dark places. Um, and God, even as I reflect, I know how dark my own heart can be. I, I know the, the dark things that I can think of and do. And yet, Jesus, you came to save me from that, to save us, to shine the light of the gospel into our hearts and into our minds so that we would be saved from the kingdom of darkness and brought into your kingdom so that we could live as children of light and now be the light of the world. And so would you help us do that, Jesus? I pray that this Christmas season that we would be reminded of the bad news of the gospel so that we can rejoice in the good news. That we would be blown away of just how good this good news is. That you would save us. And so I just pray all of this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.